Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I would invite for you to join me in Matthew chapter 13. We're going to get one verse this morning, students. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. We began our weekend in Matthew 13, by the way, and we're going to finish our weekend fittingly in Matthew 13. And we're going to look at the shortest parable that Jesus ever told. And it's my favorite parable for that very purpose, because it's easy to remember. Matthew 13, 44. While you're turning there, I just do want to offer a couple of thank yous. I want to say thank you, first of all, to Nathan and to Hillary and to the entire staff here at Church of the Crossing. And for those of you who uh, belong to this body of believers, I want you to know what a special gift and treasure that you have and uh, these two, especially in Nathan and in Hillary, um, just seeing their selfless service, their love for these students, um, oftentimes doing work that goes overlooked, but it's not overlooked in the kingdom. Um, heaven sees everything that you guys do, so thank you all for your service to the kingdom and to this church. I also want to say thank you to Pastor Lee. Thank you, sir, for trusting me with the preaching of the word uh, to your sheep. I never take that for granted, especially as a pastor of a flock myself, so thank you for allowing me to, to be here this weekend. Matthew 13, 44. Matthew 13, 44. Parable of the hidden treasure. God's word says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. And then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field I love to hear stories about people happening upon treasure that they never expected to find. And interestingly enough, I've seen several stories where people find treasure in Goodwill of all places. Have y'all ever seen that before? Every now and then, somebody will go to Goodwill and pay like five bucks for something and figure out that what they paid for is actually worth a lot more than five dollars. I was just reading this morning one such story about a lady who visited her local Goodwill and she saw this vase sitting on the shelf and she was not attracted to it for any other reason than it just looked pretty. And so she bought it. She paid, I believe it was $3.99 for this vase. And she goes home and she begins to look at it and she begins to examine it and she's in her mind begins to think, I wonder if what I've got here is actually something more rare and more valuable than what I initially thought. So through some research and bringing in some experts to give her an opinion, she comes to find out that this vase that she has purchased was made, handmade by this famous vase, dude, uh, vase making dude in Italy. And it is worth an exorbitant amount of money. So she did what any rational person would do. She put it up for auction. Y'all, this vase was put on auction, and the selling point that it sold for was $107,000. Pretty amazing, isn't it? It's pretty amazing that there's just treasure sometimes lying in the most unlikely of places, and people find it. And literally, that's, I think that is the epitome of the phrase, one man's junk is another man's treasure, because people just donate things to goodwill, right? Well, to that person who donated it, they missed out because it wasn't worth anything to them. To Goodwill and to this lady that purchased this vase, it was worth $3.99. But for somebody else, this vase was worth $107,000. Students, you probably know where I'm going with this. But I want you to consider that sort of reality in light of what we just read in Matthew 13, 44. I want to summarize what Jesus says in this parable 
in three movements, okay? Three things I want to say about Matthew 13, 44, or I really believe God's word is saying about itself, that heaven is a kingdom. This kingdom is a treasure. And this treasure is worth everything. I'll say it one more time. Heaven is a kingdom. This kingdom is a treasure. And this treasure is worth absolutely everything. Notice what Jesus says about heaven in verse 44. He doesn't just say heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. What does he call heaven? He calls it a kingdom. Students, I want you to recognize that heaven is not merely just a place that you and I will enjoy for all of eternity, and it absolutely is, but heaven is actually a kingdom. In the same way that we think about earthly kingdoms, earthly nations, heaven can be understood in those terms. And because heaven is not just like a a democracy, it's a kingdom, what does that mean that heaven has? That heaven has a king. And if you know anything about heaven being a kingdom, you know that its king is none other than the one who is giving this parable, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Jesus is its king. Jesus rules over heaven. He reigns over it. This morning, students, as we conclude our weekend together, we've tackled a lot of different subjects. We've talked about a lot of different things But students, I feel like I would be remiss this morning if I did not leave us with this overarching reminder that Jesus is God, yes. Jesus is the Son of God who came and gave of himself for his sheep, yes. But Jesus is ruling and reigning and will forever rule and reign as king. And I'm so thankful to hear the shouts of amen. There is a seminary professor that I... Uh, sat beneath his teaching whenever I was at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, a man by the name of Richard Ross. Thank you. One other person has heard of that place. (laughs) Richard Ross is like the world's oldest youth pastor. He's well into his 70s by this point. Nathan, I'm sure you know Richard Ross. And he's famous in his emphasis of Jesus as king. And so I I can't take credit for what I'm about to tell you, but he reminds students when he talks to them, that we're tempted to think about Jesus in many different ways if we're not careful. We tend to treat Jesus like he's a paramedic. Jesus, show up like an EMT and save this situation. Would you be the remedy for this emergency? We tend to treat Jesus like he's some sort of celestial Santa Claus. Jesus, will you give me all of my heart's wishes and desires? And not just the ones that come from you, but the ones that come from me. Or we can treat Jesus like he's our big grandfather in the sky, right? Like the average person, when they think about God, they probably think about, you know, uh, a man that's, that's got this long, flowing gray beard, and they can just go sit in his lap. But the reminder that Richard Ross gives students every time he gets a chance to speak with them is that Jesus is the king. Heaven is his kingdom. And by his grace, yes, people get to enter into it, but he is the one who reigns and rules and lives forever as its king. Students, do you recognize his kingship this morning? Do you recognize that Jesus is much more simply than a a God to pledge your allegiance to, who is far away, who is uninvolved in your life? No, he is actively a king. Every move that you make, everything that you do every single day, if you belong to heaven's kingdom, should be done in light of who your king is. 
What this means for your life, students, is that you don't get to dictate what you do with your life. Jesus does. You don't get to have the final say in, in, in every decision that you make. It should be made in light of what would most honor your king. Heaven is a kingdom, and it's not just a future place. It's a present reality. Heaven's kingdom is not something simply to just sit back and wait idly for. After all, there's a reason why when we come to Christ, he doesn't simply take us up to be where he is because his kingdom, although it's a future reality, it is also a present reality. Do you remember what Jesus said whenever his disciples asked him to teach them how to pray? He said, when you pray, pray them like this, our father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yes, students, there is an aspect of of heaven's kingdom that won't be fully realized until we stand face to face with Jesus forever and sin is eliminated and death is eliminated and everything that was wrong with this world is made right in the new heaven and the new earth. But I want you to recognize that there's a very real sense in which heaven has come to earth because God's kingdom people are here on earth. And if you belong to this kingdom, there's a purpose for you. You're to pursue this kingdom, not the things of this world, not the things that that moth can eat away and rust can damage or destroy. You are to pursue a kingdom that cannot be shaken, a kingdom that can't be taken from you. Students, heaven is a kingdom. Make no mistake about it. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven next is a treasure. Notice Jesus likens it to to a treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. Heaven is a kingdom, yes, but I also want you to recognize that this kingdom is a treasure. And while the world may not presently see it, and the world may not understand it, and the world may not recognize its value, students, for those of you who have surrendered to the kingship and the lordship of Jesus Christ, you recognize that there is value that the world can't see. You have come to hear and understand and you're living according to the truth of what Jesus says about his kingdom. You are like the one whom Jesus says in John chapter 3, verse 3, has been born of the Spirit of God. You can see what others cannot see. That's a beautiful gift from God. The world doesn't understand it. The world doesn't recognize its value. But students, I trust that if you are in Jesus right now, you can see something to heaven. You can understand something about heaven that others don't understand. And I'm going to remind you, students, that as you make your way back out into the world following our time together this weekend, you're going to make your, your way into the highways and the byways and the hallways of your schools and, and in perhaps sometimes in homes where you will be in the midst of people who do not see the value of the kingdom that you are a part of. I want to encourage you, students, that the kingdom doesn't lose its value just because others fail to see its value. Notice that Jesus says that there was this treasure that was hidden out in this field, and this treasure was just as valuable regardless of whether anyone recognized it or not. It just so happened that there was a man who uncovered it, which reminds us also that heaven is a kingdom, this kingdom is a treasure, and although this treasure is hidden to the world, the world can't recognize its value, this treasure 
can be discovered. And the one who discovers it immediately recognizes its value. Students, what value do you see in the kingdom to which you belong if you're in Jesus this morning? I pray that you can see the value of the kingdom for what we talked about last night, the forgiveness of sins. My goodness, if all the kingdom of heaven was about was, was forgiveness of sins, that would be enough for a lifetime of obedience to the Lord Jesus, would it not? But we recognize that heaven is also the place where we will enjoy eternal life with Jesus forever. Amazing to consider. And I'll just remind you that your concept of eternity is very short. If you're 14 years old, your concept of eternity is like 11 years because you don't even remember the first three years of your life. Heck, I don't remember the first five years of my life. Your concept of eternity is not anything worth comparing with what eternity actually is. But students, I want to remind you that it goes on and on and on forever. Praise be to God. But what about this? The kingdom of heaven is also a relationship with the living God. Amazing to consider this. That although all of humanity has rebelled against God, God has sent his son in order that sinful man could be redeemed back to his God. And that when the God of heaven looks upon those whom his son has redeemed and called by name, he no longer sees us as sinners. He sees us in the same way that he views his son. What a beautiful reality that we have a relationship with the living God through his son. What about the, the promise of his presence? You remember the last thing that Jesus told his disciples was, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you until the end of the age. And finally, one more to consider, unlimited access before the throne room of heaven, day or night, 24-7. Oh, how we take for granted the fact that every single moment of our life, if we are in Christ, we have the ability to come before the throne room of heaven with every care that's on our heart, with every burden, with every situation that is beyond us, and we recognize that although it's beyond us, it's not beyond our King. Praise be to God that for those who are in Christ, we can recognize the treasure that heaven truly is. Because heaven is a kingdom. And this kingdom is, yes, a treasure. And the one who finds it immediately recognizes its value. That's why for this man who's in the story, although he doesn't own the field at this point, he does what any one of us would do. He covers it up. Why? Because he wants to experience the treasure for himself. And so finally, he does what any logical thinking person would do. Jesus says, then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Heaven is a kingdom. This kingdom is a treasure. But finally, students... I pray that it has been impressed upon your heart this weekend and that you will leave this place remembering that this treasure is worth everything. It's worth everything. Notice in this story the way that Jesus sets it up. And I want to work backwards through this. He sets it up to show us what this man does in response to recognizing how amazing the kingdom is. 
Notice that this man doesn't go and sell everything that he owns in order to, to uh, pay the price of what that treasure is worth. The, the reality of it is, is that he can't afford the treasure in the field. It's simply the fact that whoever owned the field didn't know what, what treasure lied within. And so this man goes and he sells all that he has in order to purchase the field. Students, the field that this man purchases is symbolic of your life. There are many different fields that people can invest in and do different things with. There are many different ways to spend your life. There are many different ways that, that you can allocate the years that God has given to you. But I want to ask you a question this morning, and this is going to be the driving theme for the rest of this message. Students, are you willing for the rest of your life to sell out in order to buy the field? Church, are you willing to sell out in order to buy the field, in order to buy that which God could only provide for you, that which you could never earn for yourself? Because here's the truth of it. The treasure of the kingdom of heaven is of infinite value, and is, it is also of infinite cost. In fact, it is so precious, and it is, it is so, uh, it, it, it has such a high price tag that the Lord Jesus himself had to be the one in order to, uh, to, to come in order to buy that treasure, in order to give it to his people. The truth of it is, students, you can't afford the treasure. You can't afford the treasure that's in that field. You can't, you can't buy your own redemption. We talked about this at length last night, but aren't you so grateful to God above that he did not just leave humanity to ourselves, he did not just look upon us in our sinful state and say, well, that's really unfortunate. I hate, that, I hate that they've sinned and fallen short of my glory, and now because of that, I can't look upon their sin. I can't be in relationship with them. Students, I want you to consider Christ for just a moment. Consider for a second, as, as last night we were, we were asked to really do business with God in our heart with, with regard to our sin. I want you to consider the weight of your sin. Right now, if you were to list off every sin that you've ever committed, if you were able to remember them all, it would overwhelm your heart. I've heard one, uh, one speaker put it this way, that if we were to broadcast every sin that you've ever committed on these screens, and these are massive screens, by the way, if we were to broadcast every sin that you've ever committed, you would run out those back doors and never show your face before any person in this room ever again. Why? Because you'd be absolutely humiliated by your sin. And I'm here to tell you, students, that your sin has accrued for you a debt which you could never repay on your own. That heaven's kingdom is too precious and it's too costly and, and, and the, the weight of your sin is too much for you to ever even be able to think about entering on your own. But in the grace of God, God did the unimaginable to, uh, for us to even consider. He did something of incredible wisdom. And in the fullness of time, God sent his son, born of a virgin, born under the very law that he gave to his people, is what Galatians tells us, in order to redeem those who are under the grip of, of, of not being able to meet the expectations set forth by God. That's the good news of the gospel, students. 
that this kingdom that is of infinite value, that you have no business being part of, that you can never purchase for yourself, even if you wanted to, even if you came to Jesus with everything that you have to offer, with your entire life yourself and said, Jesus, I'm willing to give you my entire life. He would still tell you that is not enough. I'm sorry. That can't earn your way into this kingdom. And yet, Jesus did something amazing. He exchanged his life for yours. What an incredible thing the gospel is. To know that this God of all eternity stepped into time and space, wrapped himself in human flesh in order to live a life of perfection on the behalf of those that he came to save. This last week, I turned 33 years old. I know, that sounds really old to some of you. And to some of you, that sounds really young. I'm in a weird place in my life where I have some strange perspective. I felt like I lived my life, uh, I felt like I lived my 30s when I was in my 20s because my wife and I have four children and we, had, we got married young and had kids young. So I feel like I'm just doing 30s, the 30s again. And it, it really puts my life into perspective now that I'm 33 years old to consider that, that most people think that Jesus was around 30, 33, at the most 40 years old whenever he gave his life as a sacrifice. I cannot imagine students living the 33 years that God has blessed me with in sinless perfection. Yet amazingly enough, here comes the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he is God, he comes and he fulfills God's righteous law perfectly. Never once sinning, never once erring, whether in thought, in word, in deed, or attitude. Jesus completely fulfills it, but then he does something amazing, students. He goes to the cross. He gives himself as a sacrifice of atonement. Although he had never sinned, and so he should never have been given to the consequences of sin, which is death, Jesus willingly laid his life down, even though nobody took it from him, Jesus willingly laid his life down in order that those who would put their faith and trust in him could have what he has always enjoyed, that is eternal life. Students, that is the weight and the value of the treasure that is laying in the field. I'm not here to ask you this morning if you want to buy the treasure, because you can't buy the treasure. I'm here to ask you this morning, students, are you willing to buy that field? What is that field? Well, simply put, that field is this. That field is your life. And that field is you actually surrendering your life to no longer do what you desire, but to give yourself in full submission to what God desires. Because although the treasure is free and although this gift of salvation is free, we recognize that it does come with stipulations. It comes at the, at the expense, if you will, although you can't buy it. It comes with the requirement that you give yourself completely and fully to it. There's a lot of things that you can spend your life doing, students. And a lot of you are going to leave Alito, Texas one day or, or wherever your, your home happens to be. You're going to go on and you're going to do amazing things by the grace of God. But students, if you'll look at me for just one second, here's what God's word points us to. That if you have found this treasure hidden in a field, there is no other field worth giving your life to than the one in which the treasure was found. Do you get what I'm saying? That the, the only life worth living is the life 
in which the treasure is found. The only life worth living for is this kingdom which Jesus says is coming, and it is coming in its fullness. It's, it's coming in such a way that, that it will be the most serendipitous thing that you've ever experienced in your entire existence. But I want you to recognize, students, that it will require that you purchase the field, that you are willing to lay aside everything that life has to offer, everything that this world says is important and valuable, and that you will willingly trade that in for the treasure that you have found. Are you guys familiar with a YouTuber named, what's his name? Honey, is it Ryan Trahan? Is that his, is that his name? Ryan Trahan? Y'all know him? Okay, yeah. Ryan has these videos on YouTube where he takes a penny and he gives himself like a month to get all the way across the United States using only a penny, or like to get from France back to the United States using only a penny. And so he does these ridiculous things. He'll take the penny and he'll trade it for a pen. Then he'll take the pen and he'll ask somebody to pay a dollar for it. And then he'll take that dollar and he'll buy water and sell it for $2 and so on and so forth. It's, a, it's incredible, but he's actually done this numerous times. Amazingly enough, Ryan is a Christian. Um, I would encourage you, don't go watch his earlier videos because he used to be a hardened atheist and he was a foul, filthy person. But watch some of his newer videos because you can see the joy of Christ radiating from this man. He's a baby Christian. But what's amazing about the, these videos that, that Ryan makes is that he's always taking something of lesser value and somehow, someway, he's able to exchange it for something that has even greater value. And by the time he's finished, somehow, someway, he's obtained enough money to purchase a plane ticket to take him all the way across the country to take him back home. Students, that is a, a perfect way to illustrate what Jesus is explaining here in this parable, that when you find this treasure hidden in the field, not only is it of infinite value, but I'm here to tell you today that it doesn't matter what the sum total of your life is like apart from Jesus. It's not worth comparing with the treasure that belongs to you in his kingdom. Students, the question that I want to ask you this morning as we conclude our time together is, are you willing to exchange that which this world has to offer for this treasure that is hidden in this field that the world can't see, the world can't appreciate, the world can't understand its value? Are you willing to give up what the world says is important in order to gain that which is most important? As I mentioned, salvation is a free gift. It's not as if we can earn the kingdom of heaven, but I'm here to tell you today that if you have found this treasure, everything else will pale in comparison. I remind you of the words of the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3. Give me just a second to flip there myself. Philippians chapter 3. Paul talks about his former life before he knew Jesus. You know, it said that every Christian has a B.C. They have a before Christ. The Apostle Paul had a, a before Christ story what his life was like whenever he was a, a Jewish Pharisee consumed with self-righteousness. He said that I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh above and beyond anyone else. He says in verse 5, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as the zeal, a persecutor of the church, as the righteousness under the law, blameless. But notice what Paul says in verse 7, but... See, there was a difference that was made when the Apostle Paul came to know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. But whatever gain I had, 
accounted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For, this, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. And then he goes on to detail the righteousness of Christ. Paul says that everything in his life, before he knew Jesus, he now counts as rubbish. I know that that word means something different than rubbish in the original language. It's the Greek word skubala, which was like a trashy, but it can also mean I don't mean to be crass, it can mean dung. Paul literally says, my life, everything that I had before I knew Jesus, if you were to throw it all in a heaping pile, it would be worth no more than a heaping pile of garbage. Students, I'm here to tell you this morning, as we conclude our time together today, that heaven is the kingdom, this kingdom is a treasure, and this treasure is worth giving up everything else. Why? Because everything else is nothing in comparison to who Jesus is and in comparison with his kingdom. But there's one final aspect of this story that I don't want us to overlook. I want you to notice, not only does this man go and purchase the field in which he has found the treasure, but Jesus intentionally tells us about the attitude of his heart as he does that. Did you notice that? He says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up, and then begrudgingly he goes and sells all that he has. No, in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. I can imagine that this guy was just like a lunatic to his friends. I mean, imagine if somebody that you knew was putting everything that they had for sale on Facebook Marketplace. You would think, this person has lost their marbles. What is going on? Because they've got some nice stuff. Why are they getting rid of all that? And you see, not only are they selling one thing or two things, but you go and check their page and they're selling like everything. Like if they could sell the paint off the walls, they would sell it, right? And then the next time that you see them, their heart is full with joy and gladness. And they tell you, let me show you the treasure that I found. Students, I want you to recognize this weekend that the gospel, and and we mentioned this just a few minutes ago, but the the gospel is such a life-changing and life-altering event that what it does is it produces inside of God's people an attitude and a posture that makes absolutely no sense to the world. It would be one thing if God could just like program his people to do things that they did not want to do, but we know that's not the way the gospel works. The gospel hardwires and rehardwires our nature and gives us affections for things that we once did not have affections for. Students, I want you to recognize that joy is the motivating affection for doing that which seems crazy to everyone else. Earlier, before we came into our service time, I shared with you Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. We were to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And it tells us about the way in which Jesus went to the cross. For the joy that was set before him, he went to the cross. Why? Because of what we just sang right before I came up here, that he could see through to the other side, that Jesus knew what was waiting on the other side of the cross. 
Jesus knew that, that at the right hand of his father, there was a seat reserved for him. There was a crown reserved for him. There was a name reserved for him that is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess on, in heaven and on earth and under the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus went to the cross joyfully. Why? Because he could see what was waiting on the other side. Young people, if you belong to Christ, I pray that God would give you a vision of what's on the other side. Not some weird, psychedelic, or mystical vision like that you can actually like envision it. I'm talking about a vision for your life that is shaped like the kingdom of heaven and has the kingdom of heaven in view. That has in view that moment, as I mentioned earlier, that has in view that moment that you stand before Jesus in a lifetime of hardship, a lifetime of trials, a lifetime of suffering even, a lifetime perhaps of even giving your very life for the sake of the gospel, all culminates together in the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Students, I want you to know that for whatever hardship you experience on this earth, for the sake of this kingdom and this treasure, Heaven will reward and multiply it infinitely. Heaven's kingdom is a treasure that motivates our joy in giving up everything else in order to have this one thing. I'll invite the band to come back up. We're going to sing one final song of response. And as we enter into this time, I just want us to, students, to do some reflecting upon the weekend and the, the things that God has done in each and every one of our hearts, because I trust that his word cannot go out and return back to him void. We mentioned this last night, students, that the Holy Spirit of God is alive inside of you. His word is doing something in you each and every time you hear it. It's, it's, it's producing that harvest of righteousness 30, 60, 100 times that which was sown. And I pray that is true for every single one of us who knows Jesus this morning. But I also recognize that it's very possible, whether it's one of our students or, or whether it's one of you who just happens to have wandered in here this morning and you're wondering what in the heck is going on in this place. What happened over the course of this weekend? I want us all to recognize that there is a king who is sitting on his throne. The Bible tells us that his return is very soon. And this king, as he came to earth the first time, the very first words that came out of his mouth during his earthly ministry were, repent, why? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'm here to tell you this morning, it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. It doesn't matter what your life looks like now or what it has looked like in the past. There's an opportunity here this morning for you to come into contact with heaven's kingdom for the very first time, how? Only one way, through its king, through the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but through me. It makes sense that the king is the one who holds the key to his kingdom. The king is the gatekeeper for his kingdom. Jesus says, I'm the gate for the sheep. I am the door. I'm the one who allows entry into my kingdom. This morning, if you recognize the weight of your sin for the very first time, you recognize that if you were to stand before this king in his kingdom, there's absolutely no way that he would ever let you in because you've rebelled against him, I want you to recognize there's good news. That even though you don't deserve it, even though none of us deserves it, that this king has come in order to provide salvation for all who would believe in his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. 
If you need to receive Christ this morning, the offer and the invitation is extended to anyone. And I would invite for you to speak with someone you know who has entered this kingdom and ask them about what it means to know Jesus and to follow him. I'll be down here at the front if you need to speak with me, please do so. For, for others of us, as we have heard the message of this parable of the kingdom of God this morning, maybe you're looking at your life and evaluating who you are if you know Jesus and you are looking at the treasure that heaven is and maybe you would say this morning, you know what? I have gotten to a point in my life where I failed to recognize how beautiful this kingdom is. What a treasure I found in Jesus in this morning. You just need to repent of that and to recognize him as king again. I would invite you to do that as well. Our band's going to lead us in a time of response. Let's stand together and let's pray. Let's respond as the spirit of God would lead us this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. We thank you for the blessing of the hope of salvation for all who would put their faith and trust in heaven's king, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that heaven is a kingdom. We thank you that this kingdom is a treasure. And Father, we thank you that this treasure, Lord, it is of infinite value and worth. And I pray, Father, that for every heart that belongs to this kingdom this morning, that we would leave this place resolved to willingly give all that we have in order to have that field, to have that life that you desire for all who find the treasure. Father, I pray finally for a heart this morning that is far from that kingdom. Father, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would snatch them from the kingdom of darkness and bring them into the kingdom of light. We give this time to you. We trust you with it. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray.